Hey, man. Hello. Good to see you, Garrick Regner. How's it going, man? It's good. It's, uh, you know, it's finally gotten cold and uh, wintry here in, in Granada. It's, uh, and they, they light, lit the, lighted Christmas the lights, lights yeah. lit the lights. What's the proper... Lit I'm in lights. language learning mode, and so now I question everything <laughs> speak, I say. Speak badly. Uh, yeah, the Christmas lights are on. It's Advent. Happy Advent. We're, yeah. uh, for those who, who celebrate Advent. Um, you know, I grew up in a pretty Which light. I would hope would be most of our listening audience, but I don't know. I grew up not celebrating. Advent. Yeah, I grew up not selling. I think it's more in, in, in mode. That's not the, I was thinking in Spanish, in the moda. It's more pop. It's more like in style. Uh, yeah. yeah. To, <laughs> I just, it's more in mode. <laughs> the funny thing is, is the funny thing is, is when you said in mode, I was like, I don't know what, I, like I went quiet here because I've been trying to figure out what's wrong with that. Because yeah, there's something we, 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 we both speak a, um, well, the only word that comes to mind shouldn't, isn't a family programming word, but a uh, <laughs> less than legitimate uh, form of English, <laughs> an yeah, illegitimate yeah. form of English. An illegitimate is, is the PC word to say. <laughs> illegitimate, yeah, it's been it's been roughed up um, anyway. by other languages. Yeah, so yeah. Advent, Advent though is in style these days. Yeah, I think more people. Yeah. is more of a you know when I think we were it's a good thing. Yeah, I think it is. It's I like the. I mean, when I became Presbyterian, that was you know that was a, that's a big deal in the Presbyterian Church. There's more of a liturgical, right. more of a church calendar, and so Advent's really big. Um, and then and then also you know what the lead up into Easter is fairly is fairly big. You know, we, they even do Ash Wednesday and and things right. like which I which you know it, originally you, you when you grow up in kind of um, low church, free church, Baptist or independent Bible church kind of evangelicalism you know all that stuff was when i grew up was kind of seen as like the mark of the beast beast. but it was seen as a mark of like religiosity right or of of too much and and, and i think it's a fair critique i think there's a fair critique there sure Sure. um but but at the same time it misses it misses a little bit of the uh, of the mark of what we're really trying what that what's happening in that 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 preparation time of like and the and some Mm -hmm. of that liturgical or putting putting that the belief into kind of more of a actual tangible experience you know i think that's you know some of that is missed out on on them that some of that's good there's there's yeah. there's definitely a success the, both ways that there's the there's the i'm i'm of the opinion that um there was a reason that the Catholic Church decided to organize itself into a liturgical calendar and make sure that everyone could um could uh you know no matter where you were at what church in the world on what day you were going to have the same schedule and everything else it's funny because um i've been listening to the mars hill the rise and fall of mars hill which maybe we should do a podcast i don't know if you've listened to it but i haven't but i've been i've read about it yeah uh, it'd be it'd be a fact because i think there's tons of lessons to learn there but uh, and, and not in a gossipy way, Mark Driscoll, and look, there were good things that went on there. But it's funny because part of the critique of Mars Hill is this a little bit of, hey, we're going to try to produce basically the same content. So no matter what, we're branding. That's the way, yeah. that's the American way of, of, of saying it. And, yeah. you know, we're going to Star- make sure Starbucks, that Starbucks same product, no matter where you go and yeah. all, all these different things. And that's the overly 
cynical marketed way of, of saying what they were trying to do. Yeah. But it occurred to me as I was listening to it, I was like, well, isn't that kind of what the Catholic church was trying to do too? Like yes. putting in a liturgical calendar. And I realized that there's huge differences. So I, I don't want to, I'm painting with a, with a very wide brush, broad yeah. brush here. Yeah. Uh, but, but I just think it's fascinating how there's actually a lot of really good stuff with liturgical calendars yeah. and trying to make sure that you're, you're doing it in such a way as to teach your people. I think a lot of what I've reflected on with this whole, well, with, with, with all of it is every generation, it's not enough that you do those things. Every generation has to, has to rediscover and appropriate. And I mean that in the correct use or the beneficial use of the word appropriation yeah, yeah. has to appropriate faith for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's not enough just to do it. You have to appropriate it into your life uh, yeah. and understand the meaning of that. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. anyway, so I, I love Advent because I didn't, I, I didn't grow up. Yep. I grew up in a church. Well, first we were Baptist. Then we went to a non-denominational charismatic mm -hmm. Pentecostal uh mix of of things and um and uh i mean it wasn't enough just to not to, to disregard a church calendar you had to refer to seminary as cemeteries so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, of course yeah like it was yeah. a, it, we're talking low of low I've church had, here <laughs> yeah 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 and there's and there's a beauty in that low church i, I, I like i don't want to throw it out you know there's there's a beauty in low church in the sense of the ability to uh incarnate or enculturate the church and the gospel into 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 a context that's maybe a lot more ready to jump into things you know yeah so you flatten your leadership you know that's a that's a great thing you you anyone can be a leader now so there's some really and i mean like working in a movement like crew we we tend to be very low but we're not a church so that's the bit of the difference right you know we're, so we're very flat you know it's like what hey you want to work for crew great you know <laughs> let's go you know and 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 i think that that, You're that breathing that, and you that, believe in jesus <laughs> yeah and so i think i think churches for me that incorporate some of that some of the structure some of the solidity some of the connection to tradition but also know how to impact and uh empower people right because that's i mean you know in the in the in the in the new testament they're like oh hey you're you're, you're a new christian oh, boom and you, you know the next day you're sharing your faith you know you're that's that's kind of the standard and i think the the what were maybe the big high church structures it was like well you gotta whew, you gotta study you know you gotta you gotta put in 10 years before we're gonna even let you get close to the front of the church and and you know and so that calcifies things a little bit yeah and, so and then I, you I, have you also have remnants in the high church structure of of um her uh hereditary uh positions so positions that were there because you were the third child in a family you know yeah. who traditionally had this had this position of a bishop or whatever else so that's what you were going to do so that you you get all those things and so the further away you get from the meaningfulness of of those things so you have those remnants that are there right so yeah. then there's yeah. your you're protecting the institution or the hoops that you had to jump through in order to yeah. get there because well this is what we had to do or whatever yeah so there's a lot of good that 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 came from hey, this is this actually we didn't we stumbled into this yeah this is good my friend but this, this is, is great so this is this does go to what we wanted to talk about today um just the phenomena of of 
deconstructionism or de- mm-hmm, mm-hmm. deconstruction yep. that's going on, which we've talked about before. We've talked about in the past. Faith. But it, good, good to bring up again. So there's this sense there of on the one hand, you have high church. On the other hand, you have low church. The interesting phenomenon is you have people who are deconstructing from. So this does lead us into a, a really good transition. On the one hand, high church deconstruction and what's going on with so many people. I actually saw a, I haven't listened to it yet, but the unbelievable podcast, if you're familiar with that podcast, um, just had um, a uh, Orthodox priest who is also a musician and Audrey Assad, who has just come out uh, the, the singer, Audrey Assad. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just come out and said, I'm, I'm, I've deconstructed. Yeah, I saw that, I'm yeah. no longer a practicing Catholic. Um, I'm not even sure I, I want to listen to what she means by that because she, she came out and said, I'm not a practicing Catholic. So what does that mean? I, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not so much in that world, but there is this phenomenon of, of, of deconstructing. And so yeah. um, you and I were talking about this article that Scott McKnight. Yeah. The uh, always excellent Scott yeah, McKnight. He really he, is great. You know, he just came out with a, or sponsored cause he, he does this um, series of, uh, He's the editor for a series of commentaries. And there was one that came out on Mark by Tim Gombus. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. It's mm-hmm. really good. Uh, love and love and listen to uh, Gombus kind of goes through it on his podcast. But anyway, so deconstruction. Um, you, you do have those two phases, but it's interesting to me that on the one side, there's a lot of people deconstructing their faith from institutional church or high mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's also people deconstructing their faith on the other side from low church and these might be for different reasons. Um, yeah. It, so it's a, it's a, I think it's really important to talk about, to be aware of, and to keep kind of rehashing here because yeah. uh, so many people are deconstructing. Yeah. If we even know what that word means, do you even feel yeah. like you have a sense of, of what that word means? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating because, you know, deconstruction is technically a postmodern literary term. Uh, that comes out, I think, mainly out of the '60s. You're, it's if you if you went to is college. Foucault is was he the yeah Foucault 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 Foucault. I, I don't speak French. Yeah, uh, you know, he studied he studied uh, a lot Tunisia. of his work in in Uppsala. Oh, yeah, he was in Uppsala too, and he was mm-hmm. in Tunisia. Yeah, he was an interesting guy that uh, possibly a pedophile, uh, probably uh, most likely, uh, you know. So some, I of think history, that, some of history's greatest thinkers are really disturbed people. Yeah, who maybe were trying to figure out how to get around yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. May, I, you know, I don't want to, and uh, that's still up in the air a little bit on his his crimes. But um, you know, we may never probably never know. Well, if let's yeah, let's just say his sexual morals were definitely laissez faire. Yeah, but we've come maybe a little bit full circle, even on in 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 uh even on the liberal side of things, things have kind of caught up a little bit. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yes, deconstruct. So deconstruct was, you, you would deconstruct the text, right? So you were, you know, if you take a Hamlet or Shakespeare, something in Shakespeare and deconstruct it, like what's, what's really being said there or what's, you know, what's, what's the text behind the text. Um, and so that, that's, that's what deconstruct. Sorry. Um, anyway, I think that's what's killing my thing is someone's trying to call me and it, it switches over to 3G. 
killing you're killing the podcast garrick you're killing the podcast <laughs> i'm gonna no put up lara lo siento vale vale lo siento so so that's it, where deconstruction deconstructionism origi- is originally from those things yeah like literary liter- uh, um and then it moved in, you know, obviously philosophy. And then, you know, you talk a lot about uh, that it's kind of been co-opted into to Marxism a little bit of, you know, or, you know, sociocritical theory and lots of things like that. So it's so it's interesting that that's become a kind of a religious term as well. I'm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like so this is a phenomenon that I, I see happen with a lot of things. So it happens with CRT. Uh, the original academic theory or different things has value, validity to it. We need to wrestle with these things, talk about them. It's interesting. And then as it leaks out into popular culture, becomes something completely different, but the moniker stays with it. And mm-hmm. then you end up having these debates as to, well, is that what it means or, or, or whatever else? And, and doesn't mean that the deconstruction that happens or the critical race theory, whatever it might be, isn't isn't important. It yeah, it just takes on a life of its own. I think. Yeah. I think, and so I think the deconstruction that's happening within the church for people. Um, I was reading some comments in the section of the Scott McKnight article that that you and I were discussing, and one guy was kind of like, "Hey, I'm kind of frustrated because you." You know, you say it's really hard to define, but if you really get into it with all these people, you find, you know, commonalities in, in, in this, that, and the other thing. But I think that seems to be McKnight's point is it's it's really hard to define because it's so personal for each person. So then he's trying to identify some themes and um, themes and phases uh, mm-hmm. is, is what mm-hmm. he identifies in it. So. Yeah. I think so. And, and you know, what's interesting, I mean, there's going to be books and studies written on this phenomenon, but I think what's interesting is like, is this, is this actually anything new? Have people always been kind of doing this, but because of the ability for social media and, and connections, has it kind of taken a life of its own, you know, and, and it's got a name now and there's kind of this, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, the social imaginary of, you know, of these things, because, you know, you see, for what, when I see, look at it, I see a lot of the critiques, I say, yeah, yeah, of course, no one wants to be in a religion like that, that's not, and that's not what Christianity is, I often feel like the deconstruction is, uh, are often critiquing things, and I'm like, well, yeah, but that's not normal, that's not good, like, you should deconstruct that, you should, you should not be in a situation where that's the norm, or, um, you know, like, that, that totally makes sense, in, in most cases, you know, uh, in some cases, some of the things you're like, well, I'm not sure that's necessarily true, um, per se. But okay, you know, it's what is your your sense of it? So I'm just wondering: is it is it something that's been going on? It's always been going on. People have always been walking away from yeah. the faith, or jumping from Catholic to evangelical, or evangelical to Catholic, or and kind of re, it's just now instead of you, you had to write a book and then get it print, you know, now it's like, well, anyone can go, any any two fools can have a podcast. <laughs> you know, you know. And, and that's and the world is the worst for it i mean yeah but yeah. In, in some sense that actually this maybe is the perfect uh perfect example of it um in in that uh all the barriers to entry have been 
eliminated. So the barriers yep. to getting the word out there of deconstructing has been eliminated, but also the fact that the internet exists, you can find two yahoos doing mm-hmm. a podcast. You can also yeah. find two yahoos deconstructing. And I'm not saying yeah. that I, I want to be careful. Those who are deconstructing are not yahoos. They've probably yeah, yeah, gone yeah. through they, their experiences are real. So yeah. um, I know quite a pe- quite a few people who have deconstructed uh, the low church experience that that I grew up with and maybe yeah. even some of the not healthy experiences that they had. And I know people yeah. who have deconstructed uh, some of the high church experiences that they've had. Um, and then now, or maybe even back in, uh, even in some cases, Catholic church of some very good friends of mine. So, so I think, I think the, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle the experiences that people have had because they're real experiences. And yeah. Yeah. Totally. The hurt that has arisen from those things is real and does not need to be uh, dismissed. Yeah. But I, what you're saying is that it's not, it's, it's kind of like, I, I, I'm trying to look for that. Sometimes I wonder if it's not like when I go on to my newsfeed and I read an article about a family of four who gets um, coronavirus, all four of them, two of them were vaccinated, two of them weren't, and two of them were in the hospital. Uh, you know, and it is just, gut-wrenching to read their story it's hard not to then say this is happening everywhere yeah even though it's not it's not happening everywhere but it's a very real story um and so so anyway so i yeah i think we have to be careful with that when we oh certainly consider and there's certainly deconstruct yeah yeah and there's certainly and there's certainly valid because i think there's two two tend to be two um storylines we see one is real pain you know yeah. so something but the other is just eh, i have some qualms okay right. well that's cool you know like Rhett and link would be the you know i mean Rhett and link i mean even they in their uh in their podcast when, when they left the faith even would say well yeah christianity did gave us this huge platform and basically we wouldn't be who we are without crew and crew was the, the crazy people who let it you know so they, when they talk about their experience of being in the evangelical or christian world it's generally positive Mm-hmm. just like well but we didn't like a few things or we didn't really at some point we just didn't believe these things anymore you know we had a few qualms but they didn't have there was no there was no pain you know yeah. uh and so th- there are those people who don't th- i think there's there's kind of two um things going on there some it's wow really hor- horrific experience some of it's just like well, well you know i didn't i just didn't agree anymore with that stuff okay you know and those qualms could be value. It could be our, our, our valuable questions, I think, uh, because yeah. they're, they're, they hit at the core of who we are as Christians in, in some sense. Yeah. What do we yeah, really it, believe? It, it, it kind of, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. So, so, okay, McKnight points to three phases of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. I don't think he means these, though, sequentially. I just think he means, from what I understood, that they can occur and not necessarily all at the same, not necessarily in this order or all mm-hmm. at the same time or whatever. Yeah. Else. Uh, so liminality, elimination, mm-hmm. and liberation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, liminality meaning uh, it's it's kind of a he calls it a, a point of of change or decision. So he says deconstruction for many is something like a halfway house between confining church experiences, release, preparation, and eventually re-socialization. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of trying to figure themselves out, in other words. 
Um, I see this one a ton with people who, but I think, I wonder to some extent if everyone is just deconstructing all the time in, in, or to take the term of deconstruction, but if someone isn't just trying to understand the world, it's called in some sense, gosh, I want to be careful. We all go through a process of trying to obtain wisdom and by nature, wisdom teaches us that as we get older, the things I thought when I was a child and the way that I perceived them are not exactly as how they are. Let me readjust what I'm thinking on those things in order to understand them better. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, my parents uh, sent me to my room for doing X. I thought they were unjust. As I've gotten older, I've come to understand they did the right thing. Yeah. That's a form of deconstruction. This is just happening. I'm, I'm maybe it's not deconstruction, but I'm, I'm figuring things out. I'm reevaluating things. Yeah. yeah. In order to understand, I think the hard part is that we have to evaluate things, and we, we need to make sure that we're evaluating things moored to the correct standards of truth yeah. and goodness, yeah. rather than I just didn't like that. Yeah. Well, I think. You know that that's the question is why why is this happening? You know why are 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 people walking away? And then, you know, I I'm a, I'm kind of agree. With you. I don't think it's I don't think it's that much. It just feels very because there's been some high profile ones and it's pain it's painful. You know that's because we're 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 people who are about relationship with Jesus. We want people to be in relationship with Jesus. And so when, when people walk away, part, part of it we set ourselves up for a little bit of disappointment. Uh, of you know, especially sometimes we put a mantle on people who, especially of saying, you know, like, you know, I think it's hard when certain even famous or people that with clout who we, who we really liked, you know, walk away or, or have some kind of thing. So, but we kind of set ourselves up for a little of that, you know, we put a lot of pressure on people to conform to our standards. And that's probably one reason why people are leaving the church in some sense, you know, because there's that, that built in pressure. Uh, but, you know, but I think what, what, what McKnight kind of says is the thing is he, he says, I think, you know, and this, this is interesting, but this is, this is my question for you is like, McKnight seems to think that the main thing this is happening is that people are looking for real community, real yeah. connection, real, and a faith that fits into that connection. And they, they did not, what they found was really individualism, Gnosticism, where faith and praxis have been divided in our churches. Um, so I don't know what that, that, so that, that's why I always kind of want to, like, what, what is happening here? I can, I can see a million reasons and you hear a lot of reasons, but, but that seems what, what, what um, McKnight focuses in. What, what, how do you see that? Do you think that's, that's his, that's a proper. Diagnosis? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I do. Um, I think he's, I think he's on to something. Mm -hmm. Um as, actually, as, as I read it, I was reminded of the big sort or the attitude that Europeans adopted after World War One and World War Two. So World War One is this result of this massive, strong nationalism that wouldn't let people back down. And they get to the end of World War One, and I mean, I, this is a gross summary of <laughs> World War One, but um, or a very quick. But th this this feeling for so many Europeans of like here are these institutions and these leaders who said for 
you know, for, for country and for glory. And you just offered us in front of the great industrial killing machine where millions and millions of people died. What was that for, for your, for your vanity? And so you have this huge loss in institutional nationalism. And at the same time, you have Bolshevism and and all this stuff arising throughout the world. So where, when you get to the end of world war II, so many Europeans were kind of like, I'm not trusting any institution, um, especially church and everything else. And mm-hmm. the church had its own, its own problems. And so there was a great resorting. I think there was a massive deconstruction that happened in, in lack of trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that you see that occurring within the church on a lesser, or I don't want to say lesser scale, but uh, in a different, in a different way. Um, so that people say, wait a second, this Jesus community seems to have been important yet. Uh, my parents and some of the institutions that existed before aren't providing that community. So one great example of this would be, um, what's called side B, uh, viewpoint on homosexuality, right? Mm -hmm. I was listening to a great podcast the other day, Preston Sprinkle theology Mm -hmm. in the raw. If any of the listeners don't listen to, to that podcast, you should, he covers a lot of really great stuff on sexuality. And he had on this other guy who has his own podcast called life on side B. And he is a professing homosexual. Uh, well, he's side B. So anyway, he, he went from, you know, from the time he was four years old, attracted to, to men, you know, he worked in the sex industry at one point came out, went through, you know, conversion therapy, like 10 times and eventually landed side B and he's chosen to basically to, to remain celibate, but he's looking for true community. And he's looking for a depth of relationship and is proposing, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the cool things that he talks about that I, I think is attached to some of this deconstruction of faith is the old system that we had specifically as it relates to sexuality. um, It's just a little too simplistic and a little too rigid in order to understand the world as we know it today. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes very off-putting for a lot of people who see and know people who are of a certain sexual orientation or trying to figure things out. And so if you don't fit into that, where do you go? And there's a desire for true and lasting community, but the church is pretty rigid in that many or most churches say, no, the only place for true community is the family. And we just kind of meet on Sundays and we maybe have a cup of coffee. And so you kind of, people go, but I want true community. And there's that wrestling there of what does, what does that mean? So yeah, I absolutely agree. And I'm not doing justice to this idea of this community that this guy was putting forward, but I do think, you know, he's longing for a community of, of friends and, and, church that really gets into his life not just yeah. gets on sunday and i think there's something true to that not just mm-hmm. putting on okay you dress up in your sunday best and look yeah. really good for people yeah yeah and that maybe it's like maybe a trans transformational community that's that's you know much more active than um you know i think it, it's it's a tricky thing because uh on one hand the the, the church structures that we have right now we just say in america well, one have been very successful, you know, and, and, and you can, fi- I think you can find those communities here and there, but they tend to be more organic. And I'm not, you know, 
but but we you know because by and large america's put a big bet down on the mega church right that's kind of yeah. where where things have gone and uh, you know like once again there's there's some really great things about that the ability to garner a lot of resources i mean there's some there's great churches all over the country that because they are able to group five to ten thousand people together uh on a regular basis and point them in certain directions that they're you know there's churches in Dallas I know of who, when COVID mm-hmm. happened, they they bought a, you know, bought a warehouse. They started buying up food, putting together care packages, and started delivering to you know underserved communities within within a few days. That they knew right. that you know, and so that that's something that can happen and that can be really transformational and impact a lot of lives and that work with churches and boom, boom, boom. But what you give up on some of that is sometimes the ability maybe to to build a you know a, a to, to build real community that's touching the lives of the people who are actually part of it across the board, you know. Right, and to, and to, and to experience. It, it, it's interesting to, to so there's, there's a German phrase that came about um, in the, I don't know exactly when it was, but it was a kind of industrialization and the great migration of people from the, from the country to the city. And uh, it, basically translate um, city air makes you free. <laughs> yeah. And there, there, there's this idea that, look, if you grew up in the village um, and you knew people, that was true community, but everyone knew your business. And so you really had to watch yourself and yeah. you know all these things. But once you move to the city where you're a little bit more autonomous and anonymous, then you can more or less do what you want. But it also means it also means it makes you free in the sense of that yeah. things are more, more accessible in the city. So there's there are these it's a, it's a double-edged sword in some ways, or it's a, there's positives and negatives with it. I, I think in a lot of ways, a, a smaller church or maybe a, doesn't even have to be a smaller church. It could just be a group of people within a bigger church, but who have quote unquote true community. Um, there is the reality there that there are, that it, it sort of cuts both ways. Um, there is the opportunity for great and meaningful community, but there also is the opportunity for, an experience of, um, let's say, a very close-hand experience of the sinfulness of man. So you, yeah. it's up, it's up close in your face rather than my past, my embodied pastor <laughs> on the on the stage, yeah. Yeah. who I've never met, failed. That's yeah. a different. Um, it, at the end of the day, what what I felt like McKnight was talking about a little bit was just this idea of. Basically, what it seems to me is not just do people want community, but they also want to see character. Yeah, yeah. They, like, because he comes back to this idea that they want to see, they like Jesus, they like his justice, they like his, they like who he is, they don't like what he's been represented to be, um, and they're a little bit disenchanted with their leaders or certain things that have have been propagated within the church. Yeah. And I really do think we, you and I have seen this when we've talked about leadership. The Bible often doesn't talk about skills as a leader. Actually, never really talks about skills yeah. as a leader. It talks about character of a leader yeah. and character yeah. of a believer. And it seems to me that we don't talk about character. So that's one thing. I don't, I don't think yeah. we talk about character uh, I agree. enough. 100%. And the, the other thing, or we don't, we don't develop godly character anymore, um, or yeah. I don't know the best way. Surely we develop godly character, but maybe it's not. 
Maybe that was prized. We need, to, we need, we need, we need to prize that. Yeah, we need to. Yeah. So, so there's also another thing I wonder here because, okay, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm Gen X. I, I expect leaders to be idiots. I, I just be honest with you. I mean, that's my. Uh, so when I get a good leader, like teen spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I, when, you know, when I get a good leader, I'm like, oh, this is a good guy. You know, so I'm, I'm used. Yeah. I'm kind of like, oh, this is gonna, you know, things are gonna go haywire, right? It's just that's the way it is. Um, I don't know if that's generational or just me. I just, you know, um, but. But I was, so have we oversold? So that's the other thing. Have or is it? Have we oversold the church to people when we should? You know. So you, you know the famous, uh, you know, it's the great song, great the great gospel song by you two. You broke the bones, uh, loose the chains, carry the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And so when that song came out. A lot of people saw that as a, as a denial, like, oh, mm-hmm. they're leaving the faith because they still haven't found what they're looking for. And, and what it was was, no, 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 no. They're saying that, you know, we believe this. We believe this is going to happen, but we live in the now and the now is broken. Mm-hmm. And that we do not. So we see the we see the, the, the lights. We see the sometimes the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit into our lives. We see good things, but we're still in a messed up world. And And so I'm wondering if that's, you know, to riff a little bit, is that something that we didn't communicate well to generations of Christians to say, we don't have all the answers. We don't have, going to a church isn't going to necessarily make your life better. It should change your life at some level, right? Or being a Christian should change your life. But we, did we oversell because of, uh, and I, because uh, I feel like we mark, we hyper, you know, how many times even in crew, which great organizations love crew, I try and crew, but we, you hear, this is the thing that's going to change the world. And then a few months later, like, well, this is, and so it's always this overselling and it's a very American thing too. So I don't want to, you know, a lot of the countries would never do these things. They wouldn't say, well, we can't. that's not going to work. I mean, obviously, but you know, right. we give it a in shot. My, in my <laughs> little corner of Spain, there's no overselling my friend. Yeah. There's no, people aren't, things aren't <laughs> sort of undersold. Uh, but you know, did we oversell? And so people have these kind of expectations and they, what they needed to be in was yes. Community. Yes. Find a, uh, the true Jesus. And do we mess up on, but do we also just not disciple people into understanding what the stakes really are? Yeah. And that, and that there are people who, you know, that was for the early disciples. That was what they were doing. They were waking up every day going, is this the day I get thrown to jail? Is this the day I get stoned? Yeah. And there's, you know, and, and certainly they saw power. They saw God's power manifest in a lot of ways. But, or, you know, so have we even sold, you know, cheap grace in some sense? And, and so that's been, yeah. it's been easy for people to go, well, this stuff doesn't work, you know? Well, so, you know, so what's interesting is, 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 is when Diane's talking about it, you, you get the sense that what, people want a certain authenticity, right? Yeah. So they, yeah. they want, but what I also think is there is an authenticity that gets produced, which isn't authenticity at yeah. all, yeah. but it's produced from up front in the stage, which causes it becomes an excuse for bad behavior mm-hmm. and makes people very cynical towards so you know hey we're all a work in progress here's how i failed that's not truly authentic that's just uh that's just kind of having a good sermon illustration so yeah. you're using authenticity as a as i don't want to i want to be careful we have to be careful not to manipulate people via that yeah and so then i think you you hear the the now but not yet can become an excuse for some as to why they don't yet have character. And our friend, uh, former staff member, Mac Michelatos, actually he 
he may still be on staff. I'm not sure. I know he's leaving. He may have already left. I, I don't remember when, when that's happening. Yeah. Uh, but he, he wrote in his last book, um, I saw this on Twitter or Facebook or something someone was quoting, but I thought it was fantastic. When we mess up and we go to someone and we should, you know, there's this tendency to say, hey, you know, that's just not me to have done that. He said, that's a very dismissive and excuse filled way of interacting with someone. He suggested what we should say is, I don't want that to be true of me. And so that's a, I felt like that was a fantastic way of, of your, you have integrity, you're owning up to what you've done. The second thing is you're saying it's not how I want to be. And I recognize it. So it's, it's a now, but not yet kind of way of, of looking at that. And it's truly authentic. I thought it was a fantastic way, but we don't often present it that way. And those kind of things are very hurtful. So if you grow up in, Mm -hmm. in the church and you're hearing hurtful ways of defending yourself. So at the end of the day, when you're encountering humanity, because you, I, what I get frustrated with this, with this whole deconstruction conversation and with people who who have, or are deconstructing is to go from one ideally idealized version of something to a differently idealized version of something. And you just can't have the idealized. You have to embrace the fact that you're going to. So if, if what you're wanting to avoid in your deconstruction is humanity. So if you're saying we should be more like X because I experienced Y, guess what? You're always going to experience Y. How do you, how do you navigate Y the, the reality of why in the world that we live while, while, you know, uh, just, you know, if, if what you don't like is power in the church, well, don't think you're not going to find power struggles somewhere else. You're always yeah. going to find yeah. power struggles. Yeah. So what is true and beautiful and integrity filled is Jesus Christ cling to that issue, that which is not, uh, you know, anyway, so I think that's, yeah. a, that, that's a struggle that we have to go to. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think, I think too, what um, a nice thing here is you know, he's, he's maybe focusing a little bit on people who reconstruct. And so I think that the, the hopeful yeah, side of it that's true. is that people who, I mean, there are people who deconstruct and just they're gone, you know, but there are other people who, you know, uh, deconstruct. And I, I, and I think this is more of a, there's a healthier sense of that, which then there's a reconstruction of, of faith, you know, so you maybe change churches or you realize you know, it, it, and a lot, a lot of people. What what I see is a lot of people tend to have come out of backgrounds that have some fundamentalist baggage, right? So not not maybe not pure fundamentalism, not pure yeah. living in the woods, wearing overalls, kind of uh, King James only kind of. You know, I'm trying to picture it in my mind, uh, but more. You know, people had had you know some, some some things that that were generally, you know, I think orthodox because because i would almost put pure fundamentalism i would almost put it in it's not orthodox christianity i just I, that's that's my thing I, I don't i don't even consider yeah. them but but there's but that 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 fundamentalism has kind of affected certain elements of christianity catholic also you know and so those you have those things that are kind of in the back the background that or maybe a, a key component but it's not the whole story and so i think people for 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 good there's been that sense oh well not everything was bad you know as long as, and, and so I think he's, he's trying to point out, you know, how, how, do, how can we help people uh, reconstruct, you know, as they come out of that? And, and he, he, he comes up with, you know, he's got these words, like kind of things that, you know, Jesus, he's, you know, obviously Jesus is the key justice. Um, uh, 
model, um, you know, about modeling, I think, for people, what it really looks like to follow Jesus, salvation, uh, that that's that needs to still be a key key part to 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 the process. I was really glad he brought up salvation. Yeah. Um, in so much of the deconstructing and reconstructing conversation, I think in part my my new analogy is this. Um, well, I think in part because it was such a big hot topic for so long in American Christianity, and maybe we went off the rails a little bit, oversimplified it. People kind of go, I'm, I'm bored with that conversation. And so they, yeah. there's just so much that goes into it. They go, well, this part isn't important. And salvation is actually really important. Yeah. But, but it needs to be, it needs to be reclaimed. It needs to be, mm-hmm. it needs to be rethought through. He, interesting that he, he, he talks about dispensationalism. I am a dispensationalist, but I think the dispensationalism that he wants to rail against is the, is the perverted, you know, oversimplified, ridiculous yeah. version rather than maybe a more progressive dispensationalism than I am. But, but some of that, some of that kind of, it's all about your soul and everything else is going to burn. Um, there's that revisiting of, well, what is salvation? Is it a whole salvation? Cause I actually think true biblical salvation the anticipation of the return and the restoration and the recreation of the world is actually more beautiful than any kind of materialism or progressive anticipation of what the world could be. Yep. It, it actually is a more hope-filled message of no, like it's more earthy than, than what will we do in the kingdom? What will we be sitting on clouds? No, we'll, we'll be, we'll be seeing the earth in all of its, in in an even better glory than it ever mm-hmm. was. And so yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of there. I love that he brings salvation back into it. Cause I think that's such an important uh, piece of the conversation. Um, and, and something that I think the church would do well to revisit. Yeah. And pastors and theologians and, and workers would do well to not just revisit, but I think, I think, refine and and come back with a more robust view of salvation. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I've long said like, I, I, with Swedes, it was always this conversation. It was kind of like, well, I don't really believe that there's much to this world. So this whole salvation that you're offering me of forgiveness of sins, eh, because at the end of the day, what does it really matter? I want to enjoy my life here. Or they had a really hard time grasping an eternity that wasn't earthy because they're, materialists in some way. And so it was hard to imagine well, why would God save me to not be earthy? I'm, I am, I am earthy. Like this is my reality. And it was such a hard, strong reality for them. So we, I would spend a lot of time talking with Swedes about the idea that no part of the salvation, the, the forgiveness of sins is the introduction into the eventual salvation that we're anticipating, not yeah. the ends and the means. And when I grew up, salvation was, simply forgiveness of sins, entrance into kingdom of heaven, uh, yeah, fire insurance, which, yeah. Hey, is pretty darn important. So let's yeah. not underestimate let's not throw that out. It. Yeah. But let's, but let's, I think I so think many right. people became desensitized to it, much like the abortion conversation. So right now, you know, conversations are going on in the U S about Roe v. Wade, and it's kind of a non-issue politically among, among a lot of church going people. Yeah. And there's discussion about whether or not that's, that's because 
church going people don't care anymore. And I just think that it's because we got so used to the fact that Roe was a part of our lives, that abortion yep. exists, that it's kind of like, yeah, I'm just tired of that conversation. I think that's kind of similar to the salvation thing. Sorry, yeah. soliloquy over. No, I, I think I think that's right. And I think that's really what he's, uh, and I think that's why he puts it high up, you know, because, you know, uh, McKnight's a, he's a died in the wool evangelical Christian. So salvation, you know, if you're evangelical, salvation can't walk away or be thrown out. But I think we did do a disservice to the church in general when it, we've made it almost as that that very simplistic, say a prayer, you're in, we've done our job, you know, and there's a lot more to it. And and it's a lot it's a lot bigger than it should be big. It's It's cosmic salvation, you know, that we're caught up in and we're saved and we're forgiven of our sins. But there's a whole story that's going on there and it's a lot bigger. Um, so I, I agree hundred percent. I think that's probably what people, some people are intuiting of like, well, I, I, I signed off on this, this agreement and, you know, I'm not seeing what I wanted to see. I, I think what, what I think is also fascinating is he, he hits on some things that you and I've talked a lot about as far as even just evangelism, you know, this idea of friendship precedes fellowship. So you, you've got, yeah. you've got to build trust, this honesty, and humility. I think humility, humility is really just needs to be something the church, you know, we all learn again, you know, being honest, being, you know, we don't have to have all the, that's, I think that's, he, he, he that's where I kind of keep going back to this. You do think like we've made, maybe we have just oversold everything. Yeah. We're so sure of it. We're so, you know, you know, there's like an, you know, a new movie or something the six day creation has got coming out where they're like, we're sure it's six days. You're not sure. And who cares? This doesn't have anything to do with anything really. Right. Right. You know, I mean, you can believe in it. Great. But you know, we're we're in a situation that doesn't, that doesn't affect the defining moment of our faith. It's not the defining moment of it's an important part. And what we get from the Bible is God created the world and God is behind it. Great. How do you do it? I don't know. Why do we have to know that? Right. God, and what we also know historically is that a guy named Jesus lived, walked around, was killed, and then something happened. Yep. Christians would say he was resurrected. You know, how was he resurrected? I don't know. I don't have to know that. You know, so, we they got to live in some mystery, I think. And we've, yeah, we've, so that's the word. That's the word. I, it, it's not, I mean, humility, I think, is probably the proper word because humility yeah. allows for mystery. Yeah. But yeah. I do think it's important for us to say mystery um, because I think. I think the world is longing for mystery. I, yeah. You know, someone might say enchantment, you know, that's the, that's the, um, mm-hmm. that's a Murray way of, of saying it. And, you know, there's been people, the loss of enchantment of the world, but, but I do think that there's, the world does long to have mystery. There's too much information out there for us to go. I know everything with certainty. And so the Christian does well to say, yeah, it's a mystery. Uh, I, you know, growing up in a lot of the, a lot of the events that I would have gone to as a, as a young Christian would not have allowed for mystery. Yeah. There is no mystery. Certainty was the most important thing. And I, I get why, I get why we did that. It was, it was some way responding. It was a response to the certainty that others were given us. And so the doubts that creeped in and we didn't want our children to have doubts. And look, there are certain things that we can be certain about, but but there is also a sense of there was so much certainty 
that turned out to be wrong or that new information has made us go, Whoa, wait a second. How would that work? That I think we really do need to embrace as Christians, a lot of the mystery. Uh, The fact that, okay, God made mentioned seven days, not really sure how all that's put together. Okay. I'm going to accept that there could be some variation in those things, or even what is it going to be like in the kingdom? Like my, my son asked me the other day, dad, it says in the Bible that we won't be married in heaven or no, it was my daughter. Yeah. So what are you and mom going to do? Which is just kind of like, she she was trying to go. And I think when I was growing up, I think my parents would probably said, yeah, I'm not really sure, but I know a lot of people who would have gone, okay, I got to hit this with certainty. And my response was, yeah, I got no clue. That one's a, that one's weird to me. Yeah. Um, And then I think that there's some, but here, this goes to, see, this goes to that side B conversation. Cause this guy went to that verse and said, our relationships will be so, so deep in the kingdom to come that sexuality becomes unimportant. And yeah. it was like, Whoa, that's, that's big. That's important for us to pick up as Christians. Yeah. And it was a good yeah. thing to think about. But anyway, I didn't go yeah. to that with my kids, but but yeah, you didn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, um, Riley, you see. <laughs> so, so this weekend I, I watched this uh, movie stalker. Uh, it's a, so it sounds bad, but it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a Russian sci-fi movie. It was made in 79 by Andrei Tarkovsky, which is a famous uh, Christian filmmaker. Uh, and, and stalker is considered probably one of the top 20 films uh non-american films but foreign language films ever made it's it's usually topless it's 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 kind of a difficult film to watch but um but it's it's about belief in god it is fundamentally about the existence of god and this is one of the reasons tarkovsky was eventually had to leave the soviet union because he kept making movies that were clearly you know crashing up against the soviet system which is there is no god it's atheism there's nothing out there you know and he kept making all these mysterious movies it's, it's a great movie. It's got this great line in it that I thought was fantastic. There, these two guys are having, he's, he's taking these, um, a scientist and a writer into the zone where uh, the zone, the, there's, there's a room in the zone that will give you your deepest wish, right? And so these guys, they've paid him, he's taken them there. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels to the road to Emmaus. There's a lot, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Pilgrimage is going on here. It's a fascinating movie. Uh, but at one point they're talking about the meaning of life and what does all this mean? And the writer's talking about like, what, what, what does it all mean if I'm going to write these, these words, but they don't, but they'll be gone in you know, hundred years, whatever scientists too. And, and finally the stalker says, he goes, it's interesting what I said, are you awake? You were talking recently about the meaning of our life unselfishness of art. Let's take music. It's really least of all connected to say the truth. If it is connected at all, then in an idealist in an idealist way, mechanically, with an empty sound, without without associations. Nonetheless, the music miraculously penetrates into the very soul. What is resonating in us in answer to the the harmonized noise, and turns it for us into a source of great delight, and unites us and shakes us? What is its purpose? And above all, for whom? You will say for nothing, and for nobody. Just so unselfish though it's not so perhaps for everything in the end has its own meaning, both the meaning and the cause. So you read that and you're like, you know, he's talking clearly about God, but he's also talking clearly about the mystery 
of our lives. Yeah. You know, how does music, why, why, why does music unite people? Why does music make us feel something? It doesn't make any sense. Right. But, right. you know, and, and so, but, but we've grown up in context where we would never talk about those things. Right. We would never right. allow. And, and, and so I think you're, I think you're right. This lack of ability to talk about mystery and to, to, to say, yeah, I don't know these things, but I do know, you know, maybe we're getting a little too mystical, but I, but I do know music does something to us. Well, you know, what's fascinating is, is I, interestingly enough, as you were saying that I, I grew up because of some of my charismatic background, I grew up with an imagination around mm-hmm. imagination for mystery. Um, but when it came to questioning things about God, mm-hmm. there was no imagination. Yeah. So it was like, so like someone, I could very well hear someone offering a defense of God to be mystery of, wow, like, isn't it amazing the way that we feel connected with the spirit when we listen to worship music and my soul and there's something, but what I found from the rest of Christianity or maybe even certain circles was that was dismissed very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that the charismatics and, and Pentecostals have had right is wait a second. There's some mystery. Yeah. Like there's lots of mystery and we can be connected to it without knowing it without, without, how do you say it without controlling it? Yeah. And um, you know, and so I think, I think that that is important. Um, is it the James K. Smith goes to that film quite a bit. He, oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, he loves, he loves that filmmaker. Um, and uh, Tarkovsky. So, yeah. So you really, I, I need to see that movie. Um, the way he talks about it is fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting movie. I mean, it's, it's not an easy, cause he, you know, he's a guy who was very much a, well, he, he, he wrote a book called Sculpting in Time. And so he, everything, uh, it's very Wes Ender-esque, right? Everything that's happening in the scenes is pushing you emotionally. So there's these long scenes that just feel really drawn out and exhausting, but he's doing that for a reason. He's doing, he's, he's actually trying to exhaust you mentally and make you feel like, like a little Norm Mac, Norm McDonald, Norm McDonald. It's like a Norm McDonald joke, right? There's a, <laughs> but you get to the point and there's this satisfying, you know, and, yeah. and, and he even was, you know, he, he but, uh, but, but, but there are movies you really have to kind of lean into and strain to, to, to get, but you, you know, it's a, a little bit like um, Malik as well, which, you know, yeah. you know, some people will go, well, that's, that's just kind of pure over the top stuff, but, but the, but the, the, the message, what he's getting and the, the philosophy and the theology and the themes that are coming out. Um, and you can see why, I mean, it's, in some sense, the, the movie doesn't seem that for us, from our perspective as Americans, it seems a little bit maybe obvious in some things. But if you're, if that movie's made 1979, the Soviet Union is being right. shown, right. it's, 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 it's a ground, it is a groundbreaking movie right. in what he's trying to communicate and the way he's trying to communicate it. It's, it's fascinating. Unfortunately, uh, the, 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 the footnote of Stalker was they filmed it in Tallinn in a old abandoned like industrial warehouse and they were inhaling like basically toxic fumes the whole time. And so uh, the main actor, Tarkovsky and his wife all died like just within 15 years after that of cancer. Yeah, and they, they're pretty wow. sure several, and some other people involved it. They're pretty sure it's because they were in this, you know, in this uh in this this place so there there is a yeah 
there's a there's a good reason for environment environmental activism yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not to let people yeah. the, oh gosh there are so many great stories of the soviet union of things that they just one of my one of my favorites is the um we, we probably need to close close with yeah this. let's close with this story. uh so the uh the um well anyway before i go we'll close with a funny story but mcknight closes in his article and i think yeah. it's awesome the motto for the reconstructors is i see them uh and he just quotes james 1 22 to 27 uh the passage of be doers of the word and not merely hearers who yeah. deceive themselves i love that he went there for me james is so often misunderstood james is trying to get really practical and say at the end of the day this is what your faith comes down to and it's it and, and this is why it's important to do those things so james is not high theological as to, you know the james 2 where everyone wants to make that into a are you in or out conversation yeah. james is trying to say look if we're saying we're believers you know then this yeah and and he gets to this and i do think so if if there's any conversation that needs to happen about well what do we do about people who are deconstructing that it's not how do we meet their questions and how do we protect and what fences do we set up? It's yeah. for everybody involved, no matter where you're at, find a simple faith of be a doer of the word, not yeah. just a hearer of the word. Yeah. We need yeah. character to be developed in us. And this is, we are what we love. And so find Jesus, love him and do, yeah. we do what we love. And so yeah. do those things that Jesus would do. Yeah. I totally um, agree. I, I think being compassionate, and listening, humility. I think those are all uh, not to be shocked by people going through something or leaving the faith, but to, to be compassionate, to listen, because that they're wait, most people are going to are waiting for the reaction. The you know that's that's what that that's not what they want. They don't want that. But that's what they're expecting. The expectation now is I'm going to put something online and it'll be attacked by you know, and even even maybe my friends won't know what to do or say to me. Um, right. And it's hard. I, they're going through something because they're leaving. They are leaving stuff behind. Yeah. But but I think I think there is some beauty in what what that what's happening there because they're trying to really find the true Jesus. But we need to be compassionate. We need to listen. We need to be humble, and we need to to, to, to evoke a pilgrim. Uh, you know, would be a, it wouldn't be a rabbit trails podcast if we didn't mention pilgrimage. <laughs> to be a pilgrim with people, to walk alongside yeah. them, and not not walk away from. Them, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that liminality, right? Is mm-hmm. is the pilgrimage idea? Um, so right, funny Soviet Soviet story. Well, and this is a lesson <laughs> for. So I don't want to, uh, you know. The the easy thing to do as an American is to take it, anything Soviet and go, well, that was dumb. Yeah. Um, and look, there was a, there's a lot of problems with every 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 culture and every system. Um, I think it's more a product of. Um, central control and centralized thinking. So yeah. group think that can happen within that. So um, Soviet Union decides, um, so this is uh, in the Baltics, there is a weed that um, uh, if the sap gets on you uh, and sunlight touches you after the, so if you touch this leaf, so it's like a poison ivy sort of thing. Uh, if it touches you and touches your bare skin, it, it 
breaks down your body's ability to protect against UV light. And so you end up with third and fourth degree burns on your skin as a result mm. from, the sunshine. from the sunshine. And so in order to take care of this, I call it death weed. I, there's a yeah. name for it. Well, th- um, thankfully there's no sunshine in the Baltic. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just well, kidding. So, I, I love so the Baltic. It comes, I, it comes from the plains of Kazakhstan. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, because, and it gets brutally cold in the plains of Kazakhstan. And so this weed dies back every year and then it comes back and, but it's mostly controlled because it dies back so much, mm-hmm. but the Baltics doesn't get cold enough to really kill this weed off. But yeah. some person in centralized government in the Soviet union thought, Hey, this weed grows really fast. It's full of nutritious value. What if we, we want to grow cattle in the Baltics because they have good flat land. We can turn it into pasture and we can grow this weed and feed it to cattle. So let's go ahead and ship it over there. We'll grow it there and feed it to the cattle. So they did, they sent it over there and it grew like crazy. The problem is cows don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So they have all this <laughs> weed growing all over the Baltics. I encountered it in Latvia when I was there. Uh-huh. And, um, but they can't kill it off because there's no, nothing will eat it. No one, no animal likes the taste of it. And it doesn't get cold enough in the Baltics to kill it off enough to actually do anything about it. So they actually have to go out completely like covered in hazmat suits uh-huh. in the middle of the night when there's no moon in order to get rid of this stuff, to try to control it, to beat it back, because it just keeps, it's a, it's it a just keeps coming problem. Yeah. And yeah. so you've got farmers who are encountering it, who are getting mauled by, you know, getting burned yeah. by this. Anyway. So it's just a, a, it's kind of stage one thinking. I'm often, I'm often, when I think about in leadership, when I'm thinking about like, okay, what do we do here? I can come up with a really good idea, Yeah. but I need someone to really, someone needs to go, well, wait a second. Do the cows like it? Do the cows <laughs> like it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But so, the- <laughs> anyway, with that, always ask yourself: Do the cows like it? Do the cows like? That's a good. That's the title of a book right there, Barry. You should that's start a, writing a leadership book. Do the cows like it? That's true. I can go on tour and. May my cynicism stop there. Well, Garrick, <laughs> uh, despite our technical difficulties yeah, today, I sorry think about a, that. a profitable conversation. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to the next time we get together. And uh, yeah, buen camino. Buen camino. <laughs> <laughs>